you believe in the mission of this podcast for you, for your colleagues, and for your clients? If you do, we'd like to invite you to invest with us. Yeah, nothing happens without an investment. Mm-hmm. I believe in the things that we're talking about make a difference in people's lives, like real lives that affect generations. So we'd love it if you'd invest with us. For sure, if you're uh, having difficulties financially, please do not give. If you serve a very underserved population, do not give. But if, if the ideas from this podcast you use professionally, we'd love to invite you to invest with us to keep this thing going. You know, Ryan, I'm thinking about as we're getting ready to get into fall and later into winter, I'm thinking about your tire not being able to grab on when you're stuck in the snow until you do something or find something that helps you get traction so you can get some movement going and get back on the road. Welcome to the Leading Edge in Emotionally Focused Therapy with your hosts, Dr. James Hawkins and Dr. Ryan Reyna. EFT is a dynamic model that humbles even the most seasoned therapists. Together, we want to come alongside you as you continually push the leading edge of your understanding and application of this wonderful model developed by Dr. Sue Johnson. Yeah, so this last episode, Ryan interviewed me about a place that was really something that's passionate about me and it really helped me get unstuck, not only yes with my clients, but help me stuck, get unstuck with myself or the therapist type things and just finding that power for me, use the use of self as a therapist. So I know when we talk about stuck situations, as you know, I think about Ryan, you know, Ryan, something I've heard you talk about are traction and triggers so much. And you talk about getting traction and getting triggers as a way that you found like I'm stuck here because I didn't get traction and I didn't get a clear, vivid, somatic trigger. So today I want to interview you, Ryan, okay. to talk about that aspect of vivid somatic trigger. So I guess my first question to you is, how did Ryan come to notice that this was a part of why his work or his process gets stuck? Yeah, the hard way, right? You learn from learn from failure. Mm. It's my, one of my greater teachers for sure. And just like everybody listening to this podcast, whether you're not an EFTer or do something else all the way to certified supervisor. Other trainers listen to this podcast sometimes, which is a little crazy, but that's an honor. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have my own developmental process and that, and that is ongoing. I, I, I have not arrived by any means, but I'm a whole lot better than I was five years ago and even more than I was 20 years ago. So, you know, for me, um, honestly, James, it was in the trainer process. Hmm. You know, I, I talked about triggers and thought about them, mm-hmm. but I wasn't as um, well-focused on mm. them. It was, it was learning to do EFT in front of groups. So it's demonstration EFT, which is kind of its own thing, but it's kind of just EFT as well. And uh, what I learned is that, and this, this may not be true for everybody in the world, there are people who are so good at every other aspect of this, they don't have to have great triggers. Um, but I do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe someday I won't. I think part of that's uh, because I'm a big, I'm a big guy with, <laughs> okay. with a beard. Uh, and so what I learned is when it's time, when it's a time in the session for me to really get deeper in emotion, mm-hmm. if I try to go directly at emotion, I actually get more blocks. Hmm. That's not always true. But oftentimes it is, especially in demonstration EFT, right? Because people, there's a pressure. 
of, uh, of making this thing happen quickly and being watched. Um, but what I found is if I can just trust that the emotion is there and I can really get closer to their experience and just sort of stay right on the edge of this, the emotion will come to me. And so my live demonstration sessions went a whole different level when I started staying here, I started trying to use the natural triggering system that's already there okay. as opposed to me just using my interventions as a way to deepen. I like that. Thank you, Ryan, for sharing that. So even as we're talking about this in the stuck series, I liked how you even used the image when you know I started off in the teaser talking about a tire and that tire just spinning. And it's spinning because it's saying, I can't grab anything to get going. I right. need to get going, but I can't grab anything. Um, so I heard your words, get close and on the edge. Mm-hmm. And so I'm guessing that's where the idea of the triggers, what Ryan uses to get close and get on the edge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't ever use the word trigger in session. Right, yeah. I don't ever use the word emotion in session either. Either doesn't mean you shouldn't. I just don't. I've, I have before. I don't like where they go. Mm-hmm. So I want to find I'm looking for the trigger in a way that's organically described by them. Okay. But my presupposition is this danger cue, this trigger, however you want to describe it, this is where the client lives already. So if I really want to click into where they live, then what I've got to find is where the, where the hurt starts for them. Mm-hmm. So think of it that way. Yeah. I need to know where the hurt starts if I'm going to get to the hurt so go. I can get them out of the hurt. I don't know where the hurt starts. What I'm dealing with is a story. Yeah. About a, about a sophisticated process that we don't have really any dat, actual data about. Yeah, I like those words you keep saying. I'm sure you've said it before, but it's hitting me today. I'm trying to get to where they organically live. You know, me and Ryan were talking before this podcast. We have we know you've heard us talk about triggers, right. but I don't think you can talk about it enough. Nope. Uh, but also, I like this idea of traction. We get that, that vivid somatic trigger, as Ryan talks about, because it's a matter of getting traction. So let me ask you this, Ryan. So how did you notice, like, man, like, I don't have traction here. I am not on the edge of their ex- – yep. I am not on the edge of uh, – I'm not getting close and getting on the edge. How do yep. you recognize that? Well, like a lot of things with me backwards, um, <laughs> I actually well, – I learned it and really became uh, sort of devout about it by watching other videos. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I have I have nine supervision sessions this Thursday – how I did that to myself, I have no idea, but I'm sure it'll be fine. But back to back to back to back all day, and you just never see them. I mean, I can count on one hand, not one hand. I can count on both my hands um, the number of times someone works with a s- somatic, vivid, clear trigger. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. And I just watch people, you know, well-intending, talented therapists just spin their wheels. That's a good metaphor you used. They're like, now I'm lost, now I'm lost, now I'm lost. I'm like, well, we never really got it started. Right? We, never, we never got the top of the can open to find the soup. And uh, so I just watch it over and over and over. And by the way, if you send me your video, if I supervise you and you don't have a trigger, I, I won't be mad at you or think bad of you. Uh, they're hidden, James. They're hidden. There we go. They're, the clients don't know what their triggers are, and they don't want to mess with it. And frankly, admitting that something triggers you is already vulnerable. So this is hard. Just because this is simple conceptually doesn't mean it's simple experientially. So I learned it by watching others. And I brought it back to my work and go, man, I'm also setting up my interventions a lot without really having a vivid somatic trigger from the partner, by the way. 
not talking about internal or memory triggers, though that's fine too and can be helpful. We're mostly referring to in a relationship. So yeah, once I started doing that, it's like, whoa. All of a sudden, the difficulty felt like it, it dropped in half. Whoa. And I'll take that every day. The difficulty dropped in half. What does mm-hmm. that mean? That means it goes from a wild, chaotic mess to, you know, I think about, I watch too many TV shows about people that do surgery. You know, mm-hmm. if you watch the incision point, they have things open, they have things laid out, they have their sponges and their towels, and it's all, it's all clear. They can see in there. They've got big lights pointing down. And that's what it's like. I'm not going to say EFT is easy, but you can set up your work with a, with a spotlight in there and everything's laid out for you when you start with that vivid somatic trigger and you get it into an embodied assembly. All of a sudden, man, I, got, I, I can clearly see where I need to go next. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes me think about my days working like an orthopedic clinic with the orthopedic surgeons. And they would bring you in there and they would keep bending and twisting because they're like, I need to know where the pain is. And what initiates the pain, because that tells me a whole lot about what we need to do. Mm. What initiates the pain? You just described a trigger. And because just that's perfect, because off of a really good trigger, a lot of very dangerous attachment messages are there. It is virtually impossible for an attuned, safe therapist to bring my big trigger forward as well as the attachment message I get about the most important person in my life and for my emotion not to come forward. It's almost impossible. That makes so much sense. And you know, like what I like about the EFT world is we're probably talking about the same concept but have different ways. I've seen Ryan's way. Uh, I've also worked with Leanne. I've watched some Sue tapes. And they're all looking for the same thing. What brings the attachment distress online? Mm -hmm. And you can see them. Once they find it, they camp out there. And, and, and for Leah, she's going to keep so just intently focused. Where does the attachment distress come alive? And so I want to, after this break, I want to ask Ryan, how do you get to where the pain begins? But we'll answer that after this break. All right. Do you like the content that you're hearing on this podcast? Well, we invite you to join us on successandvulnerability.com along with George Fowler and other EFT therapists and supervisors, where you get to get more thorough insight into these concepts and actually get to see it done. Once again, join us on successandvulnerability.com. So Ryan, I don't know if I want to go too practical yet, but I mean, it sounds great to say, and I've seen you do this at training. So, but can we talk about how does Ryan go to where the pain begins? Yeah. I personally don't try to get overly fancy. There we go. If you've seen me do two or three sessions, you pretty much seen what I do. I, I'm not. I have no interest in in uh, being glamorous or cool. I just want to get the job done. I, I'm passionate to see redemption happen in mm. people's lives right in front of me. You can't get to redemption until you get into how they lose it, and it all starts on that vivid trigger. So you know, there's kind of four or five classes of triggers, right? There's memory triggers. There's there's a sort of internal, semi-individual triggers. Um, the the most, the best one is the one that happens live. So something happens in session, and it catches somebody, and you you are able to stop what you're doing and go to okay, what just happened right there? So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Right when you heard this phrase, whew, man, I saw you almost explode off the couch. 
Um, I, I can do those sometimes. Those are pretty fast for me. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe someday this will I'll get better. And I'll do most of those. But I I do kind of what I would call t- temporal hypothetical triggers. I'm not trying to make a big fancy term again. We won't do an acronym. I promise. He's got he's carrying a fancy bag in the office today, y'all. Now he's using <laughs> big words. Come on, Ryan. Hey man, <laughs> getting old. Uh, no, but I mean by temporal, what I mean is um, I'm going to go hypothetical, but just for a minute mm-hmm. because I'm going to bring it right in the room as quickly as possible. But hypothetical, you know, I had a really difficult session this sometime this week and, you know, I'm, I'm 32 minutes in and it is chaos, you know, and, and I feel shame. So I want you to know if you're listening to this, thank you for your work. Those feelings of shame, they're not, they're not terrible about you. In fact, they tell you that you care. Mm-hmm. And you're actually in the cycle with them. You're you're feeling very similar things to what to what they're feeling. But anyway, it doesn't feel good when it's happening to you, you know. And we're thirty plus minutes in, and I'm like, man, this is tough. I mm. feel a little bit lost. And then I kind of have a second thought, which goes, hang on, you're not lost. Are they are they safe and curious and open? Well, no. Okay. So what what that kind of reactivity is saying to you? is the current organization cannot possibly work. Don't go for emotion yet. You've got to get this reorganized. Mm-hmm. Okay, and reorganization starts with the trigger. So I try to match and reflect, validate where they are just mm-hmm. a little bit to where they kind of feel a little bit of that mirror neuron resonance. They mm-hmm. can s- slow down just a little bit, mm-hmm. and I want to go right towards it. So my presupposition, let's get specific, is that pursuers – which is on my left in this session, they're going to be triggered by their partners withdrawing. Mm -hmm. And that withdrawers are going to be triggered roughly by their partner's critical push. Mm -hmm. So I just want to load my trigger questions, letting attachment inform me of where they're likely to be hurt, where it starts for them. Uh, Okay, I like that. Even starting with a general one for a moment. And then it might get specific in the moment. Exactly. So temporary, temporal, hypothetical. Yeah. But now we're going to try to bring it alive. So good old thing I've said on here before to my to my pursuer. Um, so what is the very first small thing you notice right on your partner's face, maybe on their eyes, maybe some kind of sound that comes out of their mouth, which lets you know they're not really with me. For most pursuers, that's a pretty good question. Yeah, You can do all kinds of little nuances with that, find your art. It is really common to have to reset that four or five times because, uh, again, a trigger already is vulnerable. So I often get a story. They'll, mm-hmm. tell, they'll tell me why that's triggering, and that's a block. Yeah, Do not let that work. Yep. I, I honor it, come right back. Honor yeah. it, come right back. And sometimes I'll even just say, hey, hang on a minute. I know this is hard. I'm so sorry. I'm, this is annoying. We're not leaving until we get this. Yeah. And that people are not offended by that. Mm-hmm. They're actually kind of, I think it feels safe to have someone who clearly has a plan in the middle of their chaos. Yeah, I like that. I think I've, when I've seen from Sue, Sue will say, can you take me to the hard place? And then when you get when they kind of start going there, it's and what tells you that this place is really hard, mm-hmm. that this is where we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna run into trouble. Nice, I love that. Right, I love that. I think Sue is kind of brilliant, right? <laughs> yeah, she's real brilliant. Yep. Uh, Leanne might use something like, "Could you take me to?" And she uses kind of like a scene scenario too. 
can you take me to that place? And it almost like when it gets hard or when it's been scary for you. And can you tell me what your eyes see in that scary place or what your body picks up on or what you notice in that scary place? Mm. And that's going to be the thing she keeps using mm-hmm. to kind of keep getting traction back. Mm-hmm. So we're pulling, we're pulling all, all what, the, what all those have in common mm-hmm. is we're pulling a very, very small segment out of story mm-hmm. to drop them into their attachment moves. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about triggers. It's not that there's a trigger. It's where the trigger takes it, you. There, that's, that's a good line right there. It's not, say that again, Ryan. It's I'll, not that there's the trigger. It's where the trigger takes you because if they if they could shut off their heart from their triggers, they wouldn't have a cycle. You see, so the fact that they they're in your office with a vicious cycle tells you I can't unlock myself from this trigger. So what we're trying to do is to use the very thing that hurts them to now help them. That's a good reframe. The, the moment I hear that is life is full of triggers. Yeah. You can't remove nope. it. It's where it takes you. That's mm-hmm. what we're trying to get at. So what we're trying to even do, no wonder why this is in the stuck series now, because I need to know what it is that moves you. Mm-hmm. If I don't know what that is and I don't disclose right. it, I can't help you reorient to it. And I'm even thinking about our enactments, our distilling. It's all going to be oriented around this is the point that brings it yeah. alive. Where does it take you? Even the P in temp in a way, right? Yeah. Where does it take you? Wow, this is good. And I want to come back to the specifics, but I want to respond to what you're saying yeah. right there first. Um, you want to get stuck in the EFT? Just get too much story in your session. Because clients, um, really, sometimes for 10, 15, 30 sessions, you're asking them experiential questions, and they're giving you assessment answers. So mm-hmm. I'm saying, hey, what happens for you right in this moment? Or what do you notice in your partner's voice? And mm-hmm. I, you can see me trying to work an assembly. Mm-hmm. And what you're telling me is why you're telling me a story. Yeah. You're telling me how this happens. You're trying to connect dots for me constantly. And that's a, it's, it's very deceptive, which is why it's so easy to get stuck there. Cause it sounds like, it sounds like they're trying to help you. And in some ways they are, yep. but we're on the wrong channel. 100. We can't get there from here. I had that session yesterday <laughs> and I probably didn't handle it the best, but this couple I've worked with them. And so I have a bond. I said, Hey, I really appreciate how hard you two are fighting. The reason why we keep getting stuck is because you two keep trying to make meaning for the other person. And then you get stuck in a cycle where now you have to defend yourself against the way the other person's defining you and the story they're telling about you. But we're not even getting close to not going to the trigger part. I'm not even getting to see what brings this fear alive and invite your partner to be there with you in the fear. Because now that we're defending each other from each other's stories. Well said. And you had it yesterday, and you're going to have it next week, too. Yeah. This is just what it looks like to be in session with folks. And it's no problem as long as you know where we are. If you can recognize, oh, that was a story block. Let me come back, use some kind of intervention. Let's get to a trigger. Let's get to work. Let's get the focus of this thing. So um, the reason I use this may or may not be valuable to listeners. Some people love this stuff. Some people are like moving along. But you know, my preferred phrases, I love Sue's phrases, I love Leanne's. I really don't care what phrase people use. I just, I need, I want my supervisees to know you're, you are in the attachment moves off of the danger cue, off of That's the trigger. Right. Yeah. Until you have that, you, you, may can, you may can sort of find some other pathway into it, but it's going to be a not as natural pathway. This is the organic pathway into attachment. So anyway, my preferred language there, which people just kind of like look at me funny, you know, I use phrases. I, I put my hand over my face 
mm-hmm. which I'm asking them to is to consider the face, right? And I'm saying, what is the very first thing you notice? I'm ordering. What's the first small? So I'm ordering, giving an adjective thing you notice about something somatic. And that's, I had training early on in Ericksonian hypnosis. And so that's where I draw that from. Mm -hmm. So if someone asks you a direct question, you're either going to give me a direct answer or you're going to push back on that. Most of the time, stuck people are going to push back. But if you can ask me to order it, the first small thing you notice, then it allows the body to sort of look around it a little bit mm. and, and give a little space to come forward. And they, and when they come forward, they're using an imaginal sense a little bit, which brings their body into it. That's why I like those, those phrases. No, thank you for that. Yeah. That reminded me of my use of third person sometimes yeah. allows your body to come around it a little bit. Yep. That's good. Yep. Awesome. So, but you said you wanted to go, that was that you're going back to the practical. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think, I think also, um, it doesn't so much matter, you know, whether you want to use Ericksonian little things or can you or Sue's point about take me to that hard place. How do you know it's about to be hard? Those are good questions, but you've 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 gotten it right when you get the data. Okay. Okay. So if someone says, "Yeah, it's when she goes away," it's okay to start with she goes away, but that's not real specific. I really want to know what do you see her eyes doing just before she goes away mm-hmm. or what sound are, are in her words? Um, what do you see her eyelashes doing? What do you notice on the face? As soon as you get someone to say, you know, he takes a deep breath and he rolls his eyes. Yeah. When you have that, I'm like, now we're about to do, go somewhere good. Wow. So now you have some choices of how you want to assemble that, but that vivid somatic trigger from the partner, it, it's already brought the assembly to you instead of you having to necessarily go find it. Mm. So it's a big deal. It is. And maybe this is, I wish I would have asked you this question earlier so we can throw it out if we need to, but like, what do you see happening when we don't have this, when we are not, how did you say it early? When we're not getting close and on the edge, we don't have that trigger that gives us the traction that we need. What do you see happening in those sessions when we don't have it? Yeah, you have clients who are having the same conversation in your office they have at home, and you have a therapist who is or is about to is about to lose their role because mm-hmm. they're what they're going to head you towards is a mediation or a judge mm-hmm. or we got a mess here. Throw out some resources mm-hmm. and help us fix that. And mm-hmm. and I think that's actually harmful for people to do that in many times because they can't do it. Mm-hmm. So That's I could right. give them the best communication tip on the planet, and they could love it. But until they have security with self and other, they can't install it. So what's going to happen is they might even try the homework, mm-hmm. might even work for a few days. But that next cycle is at your doorstep. And when you do, you're going to feel demoralized that now you have this great tip from your therapist and you can't use it. So the other thing, the other words I haven't used is, is in that story, thinking about, uh, about a few of my recent difficult sessions is, a shame response in the in that moment um, really brings forth a justification competition. Like, here's the reasons I have to do this, or let me explain this to you. So let me explain to you why I'm sad. So why is like a summary. It's a justification. It's just a cycle. 
And so part of this is learning how to discern what is this, this what is the cycle talking here or what is actually moving towards the attachment channel via either reorganizing or having a shift in here and now experience in, in the moment. Wow, right. Thank you. So right, let me make sure. Did you have anything else? I don't really have any other questions on this right now. Well, just that, again, repetition is the thing I have, have, I have written down. You know, so I almost never see a trigger in, my, in the videos I watch. But my ideal is that for stage one relationships especially, that I would, I would find a vivid somatic trigger and I would reuse it four or five times in a row. Yeah. You know what? This, this is one. It just came alive. I remember I was, uh, because we're going to talk about this community later, but I was in Dallas, Texas, mm -hmm. North Texas EFT community, and I was doing a live. And it was a pretty decent one. It was all right. Yeah. Uh, I noticed at the end, though, I was working with the pursuer, a male pursuer. And uh, I just noticed I kept I kept struggling. He was giving me a lot of stuff, but it was hard to grab traction to direct it. And you know what I thought in the middle of the session? I'm like, oh, Ryan was right. I don't have a trigger. And what it was is I didn't have the thing. Like his reactivity was there because something kicked off to say, this is a scary, dangerous place, and I've got to use my energy. If I would have went and grabbed that with him, I could have walked him down into it. But right now, the image I keep get the image I have, which I feel like I'm Kenny now, is like I'm riding a horse, but I don't have the reins. Right. That's a good image right there. Yeah. That's a good image. So, yeah. So just one last practical. I'm thinking. Speaking of shout outs, uh, in Montana, mm -hmm. I had a, a person, a couple of people who were they were facilitators, so they were more advanced, and they were. They were doing a process analysis, so everything I would do, they would write and time it, and it's a great, it's a great learning process. I learned from them studying what I was doing, because I don't always know what you're doing until later. But that's when they started calling me the French Assembler. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> French Assembler. French Assembler. Right, you just got a new nickname, yeah, I my man. I got a new nickname. I don't look very French, probably, but, but they, they said, you're really, you're, you're really not doing temp, you're doing la temp. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in an effort to sort of... See, what is my body trying to do here? In an effort to validate and honor their experience, I like, once I get a vivid somatic trigger, then I like to put a little bit of a longing in front of it. Mm. Just to say, I see you. I see that your intentions are not bad. So it's like, James, so let's say that you, your, uh, your trigger from Nicola is rolling her eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, once I have that, then it's like, so James, you just want there to be peace. You want there not to be tons of stress mm -hmm. and to know that we're together. It's going to be a nice, peaceful evening. So there's, there's me loading a longing. Right until you see Nicola roll her eyes at you, and instantly it sends you what message about who you are in her world. And so that's, that's a structure I use a whole lot because that longing, it, it really helps you take down some of your defenses. Right. I get a lot of head nodding. Yes. I almost always get head nods. And when someone's giving you a yes set back to Ericksonian hypnosis, they're inviting you into their world. Then I run the trigger that you can't get rid of anyway. And then I try to bring over an attachment meaning. And usually the emotions now come into me. And that's a whole different thing. So whereas if I just started and going, so James, what's happening for you right now? Mm -hmm. You know, what's what are you feeling? That, that's a good move at certain times, but if your body's not ready for that, then I'm just misattuned. Mm. I, I see a lot of EFTers going prematurely to that without giving enough structure around it where your body can come forward more organically. 
Mm, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. And uh, I really do. And I appreciate this Stuck series. It's been good for me. I mean, I'm even taking today's episode and say, you know, I know I've heard this from Ryan a lot, but that last one is something I can work on and getting better at. How do I put that? I want to be like big, what is it, big, the big French assembler? Or just call him the French <laughs> assembler? We call Ryan the French assembler, y'all. Yep. Uh, no, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate you letting us interview you on this and just helping and for you all to know, like, man, maybe I'm stuck because I'm not getting on the edge of their experience and the edge of their pain. And these vivid somatic triggers, and I like to even breaking it down, not being so sophisticated, but just saying like, start off with a hypothetical trigger for pursuers, for withdrawers, and then take that and get more specific, and then boom, then you can start loading your assembly off of uh, those two kind of moves, you know, so really appreciate that. And with that, me and Ryan, we are excited to announce, like we're gearing up, we're getting slides ready, booking hotels. We are going to Dallas, Texas, a North Texas EFT community. In nine days. In nine days. And what's it gonna, what are we going to be doing there, Ryan? Well, it's short notice, but it's not too late for you to join us. Mm-hmm. They got a big airport there. Come see us. Two airports. That's right. And uh, we're going we're gonna to make this the most practical training we've ever had. We're really going to run through specific pieces. Like we're even going to start off the whole training sitting down with a, with a demo couple. Mm-hmm. And we're going to let our, our – material come out of specific situations we're going to open it up to the group lots of q a lots of role playing so we're excited to share some of our most important ideas with you in mm-hmm. dallas in about 10 days nine days all right thank you so much for listening to the november leading. november 10th and 11th right that's right november 10th and 11th dallas texas north texas eft north you can go to north texas if you want to register at the last minute we'd love to have you Thank you for listening. We hope this experience helps you push the leading edge in your work to help people connect with themselves and with each other. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a five-star review. You can contact us at pushtheleadingedge at gmail.com and you can follow us on our Facebook page at Push the Leading Edge. You can follow Ryan on Facebook at Ryan Rayner Professional Training and on his website, ryanraynertraining.com. You can follow James on Facebook and Instagram at DocHawkLPC. You can also check out his website, DocHawkLPC.com. Mm-hmm.